right, everybody, welcome to Sisterly Pod. It is Saturday, January 23rd, 2021. And before I throw it over to ladies here, I'll touch upon the Dubois trade, since we theorized heavily on that one on a freaking flyer on Friday night. Uh, Dubois was traded along with a third-round pick uh, in exchange for Patrick Line and Jack Rosselvick, the Blue Jackets and uh, Jets making that trade. So for what it's worth, the Blue Jackets did get a pretty fair value for uh, for Dubois in Liney and Roslovic. Now, what ends up becoming of Patrick Liney and Columbus? We'll have to see on that one. I can't imagine he and Tortorella get along very well. But uh, and, and Winnipeg got what they want. They needed some center depth, and they found a elite twenty two year old to make that happen. So it, it, at face value, it's a very good trade. Uh, time will tell whether they you know. Uh, both teams like their new destinations. Both players like their new destinations, I should say. And see if they throw a fit again later on. That'll be, uh, time will tell on that one. But, um, yeah, so that's the update on that trade. And I'll uh, hand it over to ladies here and they'll talk some flyers with you. Hello. How you guys doing today? Hey, everyone. Great to uh, be here again. Looking forward to talking flyers with you guys. Yep. Just to, just to touch on that uh, Dubois trade uh, real quick. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought it was a good, kind of a good trade for both sides, but it was a, a very quote-unquote hockey trade, which I, I don't think you see a lot nowadays, and I think, you know, people can argue back and forth whether or not they overpaid. Uh, personally, I, I do think Winnipeg over, overpaid a little bit, um, but not not by too, too much. I, I think everybody got what they wanted. Winnipeg got the center depth they needed. Um, you know, they're getting rid of Patrick Laine, which kind of sucks, but I think both Laine and Russ Lavig made it clear to Winnipeg's front office that they didn't see a future with the team where they weren't going to be coming back um, whenever their respective contracts ended. So I guess some good asset management there by Winnipeg uh, before their, their good players leave and uh, Dubois gets out of Columbus. But it was very funny that the, the second and third overall picks from that 2016 draft right after Matthews are now switching places. I think it was a great trade as well. Um, I think that, you know, it's kind of funny how the entire league has been speculating, you know, all the fans from the league have been speculating that they're going to get Patrick Laine on their team for, you know, months now. And now Dubois becomes available and they just swap places. I think that's just comedic irony in my, my opinion. Um, I'm excited to see, like you said, it's going to be interesting to see how, um, they both work out in both situations. Um, so I'm definitely looking forward to how that plays out as well. Yeah. Line A and Torts together. It's going to be, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. something funny no. to watch. That's going to be a soap opera. I, I just, I live for the Torts memes, for the Torts interviews. They're just perfection. If you know me, you know, I love my memes and. I look forward to seeing how that plays out. Yeah, he's he's hilarious from a fan perspective, but I think if I played for him, I would hate him to my core. Oh, hands down. There's some coaches that works for though. I mean, look I at the 1980 true. Olympics. He he turned the entire team against him for common purpose. Some coaches that works for. True. I guess yeah. that's true. Alrighty, well, enough about other teams. Let's dig into yours, mine, and our Philadelphia Flyers. So I think literally an hour after we recorded the last show, um, 
on Saturday. Um, the news about what was actually Sean Couturier's injury came out. Um, so he's been ruled out for at least two weeks with something called costochondral separation. And if you're like me and you don't know what that is, uh, he basically just has torn cartilage in his rib. Um, so that that weird hit he got uh, during the game against the Penguins, I think it was last Friday, um, is going to keep him out. So if we stick to that um, timetable, he said he's going to be ruled out for at least two weeks. So it looks like the earliest he's going to be coming back is um, next Saturday against the Islanders. So um, hopefully he comes back then. If not, we're going to see him gone for maybe at least another week too. Uh, potentially a month. So um, the Flyers are kind of going to need to figure out what they're going to do about this and quickly. Uh, but yeah. What's interesting about Kutz's injury is it's not something that's going to just prepare itself quickly. It's going to be an issue for him for a while now. Um, it doesn't go away. Um, he's going to be good enough to play, but and we're going to talk about this later, the Frost and the Myers injuries. Um, I, I believe somebody somebody reported that the Myers injury was going to keep him out for four to six months. That's not happening. It's going to be four to six weeks. But the Coots injury could linger with him for that long, um, which is the irony of it. Um, but we will. He is Coots. He will be back, I believe, within the timetable that he's given us. Um, but the, the lingering side effects of that injury is something that I'm nervous for. That uh, that worries me as well. That feels like one of those injuries that he could technically be cleared in three weeks, but he may not be healed entirely, and thus he's going to play it 60% for the rest of the season rather than sit out an extra two weeks and be 100%. So that does worry me as well. That's one thing that we're going to have to look out for as, uh, as time goes on here. Yeah, we're not looking for a hero with this. We're looking for him to come back and actually be productive. Um, in my opinion, we've got the depth, the depth to keep going and I, I, I want him back full, full strength. I'd rather him do that than have to go back out at some point and have us restart this whole process again. Yeah. I mean, players play, you know, with, you know, minor injuries all the time, but I agree. I think this is kind of going to linger. My, my worst fear though, is like you said, um, this sort of turns into a, a Wayne Simmons situation a la however many years ago, maybe like three or four, where he got injured and it just hampered him the entire season and he looked like a shell of himself. And I think if that were to happen for the Flyers, um, that that would be pretty devastating if we're seeing Sean Couturier operate at like half of what he is capable of. Um, um, yes, yeah, speak, speaking of Wayne Simmons, I want to touch on a tweet that I posted this week. Um, I said something along the lines of him crying out for help, given the um, responses he's been giving to the media and how much he loves it in Toronto. Flyers fans, that is not me saying that I want him back on our lineup. That is me saying that he is crying out for help because it's Toronto. And he, you know, as much as it's his hometown, it's Toronto and it shouldn't be that much of a joy to be there. Come on. I got a lot of lashback for that. Toronto media is worse than Phillies, if that's even possible. So, yeah, I, I just needed to say that because I got a lot of lashback from that. 
Um, oh, good. All yeah. good. All righty. So let's dive into uh, the games that we had this week. So the Flyers had three games uh, since we last spoke, two against Buffalo uh, in a back-to-back, and then they played against Boston on Thursday. Uh, that first Buffalo game, yeesh. Uh, yeah. not, not really a lot of positives to take away from that. They lost six to one, uh, Carter Hart got pulled in the second period after, uh, letting in four goals, um, about midway through the game. Uh, I mean, yeah, not, not really a lot of positives to take away from that. They just looked absolutely like shell shocked. They had no response. They were making Buffalo look like Tampa Bay. And it was uh, pretty embarrassing. I, I don't have a ton to say about that game. Um, we did look out. We did look like we didn't come out ready for it. We weren't prepared, um, in my opinion. And then at the same time, we, we see Buffalo year after year now um, coming out strong in the beginning. Um, they did start off losing to Washington, and Washington has now lost to the Penguins. So that that whole cycle there is interesting, in my opinion. But last season, we saw Buffalo be the strongest that they were all season at the beginning. And after that, nothing from them. So we'll see how it continues. I'm really glad that we bounced back the next the next night. Um, But we need to, you know, watch that and see how how we can perform post that. about you dan what were your thoughts on that game i hated it <laughs> yeah that seems to be the uh the general consensus uh nicholas obeku bell scored the only goal for the flyers that night um and yeah hart stopped 18 of 22 shots before being pulled at 809 of the second period um i thought brian elliott actually looked pretty decent um for the for his half of the game that he played um flyers yeah. also went over one on the power play and one for two on the penalty kill but yeah sorry caitlin what were, what were your thoughts on uh moose no it's it's always good to see moose coming out strong um and we saw that again in the second buffalo game as well um he was just an absolute brick wall the second buffalo game um but i i, I like the fact that we can have that tandem there um and not have to worry too much about having to pull heart and worry about Moose not performing. Um, but the name of the game is consistency, so we'll see. Yeah, for sure. Um, Carter Hart got called for a weird penalty in that game. He got called for tripping uh, one of the uh, Buffalo's players. Um, I, I just thought that was strange. I don't think I've ever seen a goalie called for a tripping penalty. It looked like Hart like tried to poke check it, but he got a little too much in on the player i don't remember who he was um but yeah very very interesting penalty to see um yeah that was just not a great game uh they did bounce back on tuesday um they won which was great three to nothing uh but at what cost is the real question (laughs) um like we mentioned earlier uh both morgan frost and phil myers uh got injured in that game um, this was Morgan Frost's second game in the lineup, uh, in wake of Couturier's injury. Um, we didn't really know what either of them had, um, 
like in the wake of the injuries immediately, but the Flyers provided an update. Uh, Phil Myers suffered a fractured rib and is considered week to week. So sort of some sort of a similar timeline to the Couturier injury. Uh, but Morgan Frost suffered a dislocated left shoulder and he's going to be out indefinitely. Um, yeah, that's that that's really, really rough. Um, one of my good friends has a pretty messed up shoulder from when he played that has lingered with him post-college days. He's now 37. It still hurts him on a daily basis. Um, so that's really worrying to see. Um, we'll see how he takes care of it and what comes of that and how long he's actually out for. Yeah, so. I'm hoping it's not, uh, it's not too long, but I don't know. I've never dislocated my shoulder, so no. who, who's to say how long it, it actually will take? Um, yeah. But yeah, no, you're, you really hate to see it. And this this injury is uh, really going to test the Flyers' depth here. I see everybody on Twitter is saying, Flyers have the best depth in the league. Um, so this is really, really going to put that... that put the money where the mouth is, and hopefully they, they do well in his absence. Um besides those, those were kind of the, the big elephants in the room in the wake of the Buffalo game. I thought they played pretty well. Um, after the loss on Monday, um, Elaine Vigneault had kind of said that, um, you know, he trusts the players that he has in the lineup and he just, he was disappointed in their performance, but he's like, I know they can bounce back from it. So he did go with the same exact, uh, like combination of players. Um, for the game on Tuesday against the Sabres, but the all of the forward lines were juggled, except for, I believe it was the fourth line, if I can find it. Um, so in in Tuesday's game against Buffalo, it was Farabee and Voracek on a line with Kevin Hayes. Uh, you have the Rat Pack line, Lindbaum, Plat- Patrick, and Konechny. And then you had JVR, Morgan Frost, and uh, Claude Giroux to start the game and then the fourth line stayed the same with Rafa Lawton and Obey Kubel. Um but yeah it was also interesting yeah. to see Caitlin I know you had touched on it last week but I think A V did he did say that he just views them as like he doesn't view them as like numbered lines. He views them as all yeah. capable of taking, you know, whatever responsibilities that are given to them when they're on the ice. He doesn't really view them as like, oh, first line, second line, third line, fourth line. He just yeah, kind of rolls absolutely. them out as he chooses. Yeah, like I said last week, um, I view it as more so what what's working for the guys and who they're who they're firing with. Um, more so, it's not a tiered thing in my eyes. Again, I'll say that. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of my thoughts on it. Um, goals in that game were scored by Konechny, Voracek, and uh, Kevin Hayes. Um, Love to see it. And Brian Elliott got a shot out. He made 40 saves. He looked really good on Tuesday. Yeah. I was very surprised. Um, yeah, you know. that was that was fantastic to see Moose just be an absolute brick wall for us. Um, he, he gets so much hate amongst Flyers Twitter that from Dan. <laughs> um, but we, we really love to see the fact that we can have that tandem, like I said earlier, and just not have to worry about it. I'm just glad again, he didn't break a hip. Wait, what's wrong with Moose? I didn't know people didn't like him. He's like 74 Moose. years old, for God's sake, that poor guy. He's not a retire. You have to do what you do with all Moose. You take him out behind the bar and bang! <laughs> There's an all old right, yeller so... about that Moose version. 
Moose didn't didn't hurt himself that game, but you know who did get hurt? Hutton. He did. Hutton went out yeah. after um after Montour just absolutely trucked Provorov directly into him, right. and then decided to try to kill Provorov in the net five feet behind the line. Yeah, there were some interesting tidbits after that game. Uh, Buffalo's head coach, I don't remember what his name is, but uh, I have it he right basically... Here, Kruger. Oh, Kruger? That's yeah. it. Um, he had basically come out and said after the game, he's like, I want the league to discipline Provorov for just diving into the net and, you know, deliberately elbowing our goalie in the head. And I was like, for, first of all, there, there are several things wrong with that. He did not intentionally hit the goalie. He was very clearly pushed into it, uh, pushed into him by Brandon Montour. And just the way he fell and the way his arm came out, unfortunately ended up hitting Carter Hutton in the head. But when you're watching it in real time, it did look very bad. Um, yeah, no, it looks, it looks horrible. But the only way to actually take that away from it is to close your eyes and not listen to any of the commentary. Because it's very clear to see that it wasn't Provorov's fault. I, I tweeted after that. I think I, I, think I said uh, Montour is the one that needs to be fined here, not Provorov. But that I mean, I don't, I don't think any of them really need to be fined. It was, just, it was just an unfortunate hockey play. Yes, but for, it was for an Kruger to play. kind of come out and say this is clearly malicious and he deserves to be punished is just like. Yeah, not, that, that was what I not was responding good. to. <laughs> Pushing yeah, players in your own goalie to. is always very stupid. Yeah. You see it quite a bit, and then the goalie gets hurt in a situation like this, and it's like, well, Provorov did it. Uh, no, you're stupid. Your own defenseman did it. You pushed it into Provorov, who then destroyed Carter Hutton's head on the post, that poor bastard. So that's what happened there. Yeah. Congratulations. You played yourself. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, that was horrible on yeah. all accounts. Very unfortunate injury for Carter Hutton. I don't know if he is going to be out for an extended period of time. He just looked very shaken up and did have to have um, the backup for Buffalo uh, come in his stead. Um, But yeah, hopefully he's not out for an extended period of time. The East just keeps killing their own goalies. I mean, we had the the Islanders incident before their game, taking out um, their their, their attendee that game. Back oh. last week. Oh, they took him out? They took out Varlamov? Yeah, well, he caught a puck in the neck. His Ooh. dangler wasn't low enough, and they were shooting at him, and they shot it at his neck, and he had to not play that game. He was the starter. Nice. Oh, yeah. my gosh. I did not know that. Yeesh. Yeah, that, that's the, bad. The, the East is just killing their own goalies. You know what I have seen more this season than any others? We already kind of touched on this with the injuries, but rib injuries. Every everybody who's getting injured is getting injured in the red. You have uh, Couturier, uh, Myers, Joe Thornton's going to be out for like a month and a half with a rib injury. It's just Isaac crazy. Ratcliffe it's all like the first week of the season. Hmm? Isaac Ratcliffe was out. Uh, he missed training camp with a broken rib. That's why he was out. I didn't know yeah. that's why he was injured. Oh, jeez. You need to see it. You really do. Maybe we should give them like rib padding. I don't know if they have yeah. that already, but they need more Some of sort it. of vest. <laughs> Some sort of vest. No longer sweaters. We're just going to wear vests. Whatever they have is not enough. All <laughs> uh, righty. Uh, Dan, do you have any other thoughts from that Buffalo game? I'm glad it's over. And I don't want to play them seven more times this year. <laughs> but we're going to. 
<laughs> yep, oh, you, you love to see it. That's the that's the one thing that's not fun about this like condensed division format is that you play the same six teams and most of them were in our division anyway and I hate them because of it. So and especially like the games like Buffalo and New Jersey, which are usually abysmal games to watch, having to do this way more than we should is just like ugh, it crushes my soul. Next time they play Buffalo is February twenty sixth and twenty eighth. So they oh, got about a so month long yet before now. we have to see him again. <laughs> oh, thank God. I don't think we see the Penguins for a while after, after early the March, first two games of the season. I believe. Yeah, we don't see them again until March. March oh, 2nd and 4th, I believe, is the next Penguins game. Why so long? Because we're going to play the Capitals about eight push. times between now and then. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> oh, oh, the Capitals are having so many issues, though. <laughs> we got Buff- yeah. uh, Boston today. We got the Devils twice this week, then the Islanders, then Boston again, then the Capitals, Devils, Rangers, Boston, Rangers, Sabres, and then we play the Penguins again. So play pretty much everybody that was in the uh, Metro Division. The NHL really just chose violence this season. Oh, yeah. They really did. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, But, Caitlin, you touched on it very quickly, um, but I guess we should talk about the capital situation. Um, Yeah. for those of you who don't know, um, there were several prominent players on the Capitals. Uh, I believe it was Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Samsonov, uh, just to name a few, who were all placed on the NHL COVID protocol list, um, which means that they cannot participate in team activities for um, a period of time. So I believe this is the first four games. Wow. Um I believe that is the first instance of COVID um, not related to Shane Goss' despair that is um, about to be rampant in the division. Um, So we haven't played the Capitals yet, but other teams have. Um, So there's a potential that this could spread to other teams and we may be without the Flyers for a bit. Um, Which would be definitely... Yeah, I want to touch on that a little bit because I so many questions about the NHL's COVID protocol. Um, I've, I've done a lot of digging on this on Twitter anyway. And to have 22 men on a bench not wearing a mask. Okay, they're a team. They're expected to be around each other. To then go back and say that they're not allowed to hang out in their hotel rooms without a mask is weird to me. But then at the same time, if none of them had COVID prior to them hanging out, how did their goalie walk or walk away with COVID? Who were they hanging out with? Right. Yeah, I mean, that's the issue when you don't have a bubble. Is when you yeah. do this, you're gonna come across yeah. stupid rules like, "Hey, you can be in a locker room together, and you can go out and sit next to bench and spit when you know right there. Everything's fine, but don't go to hotel rooms together. You know that's kind of weird. Yeah. But at the same time, there is no bubble to protect them, so they could just be touching a handrail and going up to their hotel room and get it right. Precisely. So yeah, y- you are kind of screwed there because you don't have the bubble to keep anybody safe anymore. So you do have to have these overall wacky rules in there. How stupid they seem at face value. Yeah, it's such a weird rule in my eyes. But like Dan said, you do have to have the stupid rules, but this one just seems really off to me. (laughs) And they might not even have known 
they had it at that time either. You know, if they right. had, you know, just finished up the game and then went to their hotel rooms. Like, you know, these players also like have lives and stuff because they're not in the bubble. You know, I'm sure some of them like go out and like maybe go to restaurants if they're open there or like go food shopping or like run errands and stuff. Like you don't know who they're running into when well, they do this. That and they they cited it as social gathering. Are you not allowed to like hang out with your like spouse because like I know G's still living with Ryan and like everything's happening there so like the social part of it define that that's all I'm asking for I think yeah no families I think are fine but I think it's just like Mm -hmm. like Dan alluded to since we don't have a bubble and they're not under control literally 24 hours a day when they're not in the rink they could be doing god knows what right exactly which is sort of the problem um but yeah, speaking of COVID, uh, Shane Gossespierre is off of the COVID protocol list now, which is great. Um, is it AV, AV did kind of say that Ghost <laughs> did have COVID. <laughs> I'm glad he's back because I was starting to get concerned yeah. for the guy because he's been gone for like yeah. two and a half weeks now. He just disappeared off yeah, the face no. of the earth. And, and then he was eventually put on the uh, COVID list, I believe, early this week on like Monday or something. And I was like, oh, boy, he's been gone for that long. And he just put on the list now. But apparently, I think it was just a, ultimately a cat move there uh, when they had to recall Frost. But, yeah, it seems like he's coming back. He's practicing for the past few days. Um, they don't know if he's going to make it in. AV was not positive that he's going to make it in this Devil Series. I guess they're going to – he's rejoining the team now that they're done in Boston. He's going to travel with them to New Jersey. But he's not sure if he's going to play because he may not be physically ready yet. So he's going to work back into it. So that's the update on uh, Ghost. Yeah, no, I'm glad he's hopefully feeling healthy again. Um, that's important in my eyes. But if we are winning without him, why reintroduce him? Um, like I said last, uh, regarding last season, we won more times, or we lost more with him than we did without him um, over a certain period um, of time. Yeah. So. That's true. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad Ghost is feeling better. Uh, but we are kind of in a, in a lack for bodies on the blue line. So I I think we will, we will kind of see Ghost in action uh, sooner sooner rather than later. Um, Ghost and Gustafson in the same lineup at the same time. <laughs> oh, Gustafson. Oh. <laughs> That's the line name. Gustafson and Braun and Braun. Oh my God, Justin Braun. Oh, get ready, guys. Buckle up. This is about to be a bit of a train wreck. Get um, Niskanen off the phone, please. Oh, <laughs> where are you? Please come to save us. Have you seen this man? Are you sure you want to retire? <laughs> are you absolutely sure? Oh, geez. Uh, but yeah, since since Ghost had COVID, I, I had mentioned this last week, but I'm very surprised that Nobody on the Flyers has it because Ghost participated in training camp activities and that he was whole around the team. Is really weird. Like training camp, even teams that had scares. I think mean, Pittsburgh had a scare. They never actually had anybody. They shut camp down for a full day to disinfect everything and see what was going on and run tests and stuff. Flyers never did that. They just Goss Bear was practicing one day and just disappeared the next. And we haven't seen him in like three weeks. Like what it's was that? Up. That was so weird that that nothing was ever done about that. So I'm going to, again, in, interject here. Um, when I had COVID, I received it from my boss who had it and quarantined himself upstairs in his office. I was downstairs with uh, 
you know, the other people that I work with and somehow contracted it, went home that weekend, not believing that he had COVID, went home that weekend and saw my parents and everything, like saw my grandparents, like my grandmom and everything, came back and the very next day started developing symptoms. Nobody else in my family got it. So that in itself is like, what, what what's up? I mean, what, just, I don't know. But with that said, like, it kind of makes sense that the whole team didn't get it. But at the same time, it doesn't make sense. But I can see how that happens. Yeah, I could just... It it, it surprises me that, at like, at least one person did not get it. Like, yeah. he was the only one. But, I mean, I'm not complaining. That's great news. <laughs> Nobody yeah. else got it. Yeah. Uh, but it was just very shocking. Uh, but speaking of Ghost and taking his place on the blue line, let's get to that Boston game from the other day. Uh, <laughs> when it rains, it pours with the injuries. Uh, Mark Friedman got injured uh, in uh, the game on Thursday. Uh, I didn't really see how it happened. I I had like looked away from that instance, and then all of a sudden, I just see him on the ground. Um, so, but I think he got yeah. hit in the face, was it? Friedman's a smaller guy. Um, my my podcast that I produce, Geeks Like Sports, we had an interview with him back during the summer, and he touched on the fact that he is a smaller guy, and so he has to train to be able to handle hits and things um, differently than the normal size NHLer would. Um, so I think he may have gotten hit and had to come out just as a precautionary measure if he did say after the game that he was fine um I don't remember exactly how the hit happened or who hit him but I know it actually it might have been he got tangled up with uh Brad Marchand right yeah and in center ice and he just kind of ended up falling directly on his face and just was gushing blood and like oh boy here we go and the camera angle was really bad you couldn't tell if his visor cut him if it was nose at the ice or mouth at the ice or whatever it was but i was shocked to find out that he's okay after that like he doesn't have a concussion or anything so thank god they don't lose another body back there but uh that was brutal yeah, yeah. yeah I, ju- I just watched that it was yeah not pretty it looks like he just kind of got tangled up with Marshan and then slipped and fell and unfortunately just went face first into the ice but he was bleeding a lot i do remember that um and he he like he needed help getting off the ice and everything and then just went straight down to the tunnel i'm sure they did concussion protocol and everything um so is he staying in the lineup like is he okay i believe so so, i actually just saw I just saw a tweet that said AV did say he would use the same personnel from Thursday. Um, this is a shout out to Jamie Pascal. He said the D pairings would remain the same, but there's from Thursday night, but there would likely be a change to the line of pairings. Hmm, interesting. Well, good to hear that Friedman is doing well. So I guess, I guess maybe we won't see ghost <laughs> at least not tonight. Can we ghost ghost? Is that a possibility? I don't know. Can you ghost a ghost? <laughs> Um, let's see. What else happened in that game? Let me pull up the box score. Um, I believe it was, so they lost five to four in a shootout. I'm just trying to pull up who scored what goal. Um, let me see. 
Uh, G had a goal during that game, but that has since been... been... I did see that. It went back to Travis Konechny. Yeah. I saw that oh. last night. So, G, unfortunately, still remains scoreless on the season, which is a big sad. Uh, um, Travis Sandheim had a goal. Yeah, it looks like it was uh, Konechny and JVR in the first period. Konechny's goal... I'm not the first period, sorry, the second period. Um, to make it 2 nothing going into the third, Konechny's goal, fifth of the season, was on the power play. Um, and then I thought it was a pretty even game for the most part, but then going into the third, oh, God. that It was just a very ugly period for both teams. Um, so going into the third, um, the Bruins uh, score two quick goals about two minutes into the third period, tied up at two. Uh, Travis Sanheim scores about five minutes later for his first of the season to make it 3-2. Then again, in a span of about two minutes, um, Boston scores two quick goals um, uh, to make it 4-3 at about 15 minutes in the third period. And then about a minute after that, uh, JVR scored on the power play uh, to tie the game up at four um, at the very end, about 16 and a half minutes in the third. Uh, no goals on overtime. Flyers did not score at all in the shootout, but Carter Hart let one into Jake DeBrusque. Um, but yeah, that that game was like very much stress-inducing to watch, especially in the third period. Oh, you, yeah, I tweeted. If you had checked Flyers' Twitter at all during that time span, you would have thought the world was ending. Yeah, what's funny is I try to live-tweet as much as I can. During the stressful periods, I tend not to tweet, whereas the rest of Flyers' Twitter likes to blow it up. Um, but I do remember tweeting during that game that I needed one of AV's martinis. And also, I... <laughs> I was sitting with with my friend watching the game who knows hockey at a level where he has predicted so many things that have happened during games. He told me to tweet, look out for JVR. To the power play we go. Minute later, JVR scored a goal. Um, I need to touch on JVR just a bit because he is currently just one point from being a point-per-game player. Actually, he is a point-per-game player this season. Dan with is two cringing. Goals, <laughs> with two goals and three assists. He is doing his job. He was brought here to be a power play specialist and stand in front of the net, take the cross-checks, and tip goals in. What has he done this season? Stand in front of the net, tip goals in, and take the cross-checks. He has been consistent this season. I got into a very heated argument with somebody on Twitter this week who does not like his <laughs> consistency or his inconsistency, I should say. Dan is I'm sorry, Dan's face is killing me. <laughs> you you don't, can't see this, but Dan is just going insane right now. Go ahead, I'm, Dan. I'm so Before sorry. I that was too funny. I still hate him. That's fine. I'm not a fan of JVR, but he is doing what he was brought here to do, and that is all I am trying to say. Um, For now. He, he, he got injured in 18-19, um, early on in the season, and if you watch last season, he still looks injured. Um, you have to understand that 
yes, a guy can come back, but he does not necessarily need to be at full strength to do so. And if things are working, which they did last season, a guy can remain in the lineup despite having injuries. And it doesn't need to be reported on because people keep coming at me and saying that I need to show them the reports or show them evidence. Watch the games from last season. Watch him skate. He still has the lower body injury that he had. The man stands in front of the net and takes cross checks. He's going to get injured. That's what happens. But he has been consistent. And that's what we need to be happy about here. We shouldn't just continue to tear him down for his passing consistencies. Revel in the fact that he is consistent right now. Be happy about that. Dan no. says no. no. I say yes. My show, Dan. The, 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 thing about <laughs> J- <laughs> the thing about JVR is that I think he also suffers from what I like to call Voracek syndrome, yeah. which is that he will look like Wayne Gretzky for a game and just be just be doing it all. Best player on the planet. And then for like another game, he, he's just the complete opposite. He's just like dead weight on the ice. Just just doing absolutely nothing. And I think that is part of why he is so frustrating for Flyers fans. Because if you if you look at like when he was a free agent before coming to the Flyers, he scored like 30 goals a game, which is or not 30 goals a game. He scored 30 goals that season, which is also partially why he got as big of a contract value, which is, I think, another reason why people hate JBR. They wouldn't hate him if his contract was so much, which which is fair. But yeah. like our our when you look at the results, like they're there. Is it is it pretty to watch at times? No, no, it's not. Same thing with Voracek. But like, so they so get it done. Along, to go along with that, though, Katie, I think one thing that we need to watch as well is how does AV's coaching style cater to JVR? Because obviously, when JVR was here the first time, he wasn't being coached the right way. Players need to be coached a specific way in order to get them motivated, in order to get them to play the way that they are capable of. He probably was not being coached the proper way the first stretch of time that he was here. He was being coached properly while he was in Toronto. That makes sense to me. He came back. Uh, AV needs to learn how to adapt his coaching style to cater to JVR. And coaches are able to do that with individual players it's not always at a team scale though there are moments where it is at a team scale so I think that now AV kind of has a handle on how he needs to be with JVR what kind of fire he needs to light under him and I think it's working and I'm excited to see how that transpires I I agree to that to an to an extent but like yeah if if you're a good player you should be good regardless of who's coaching you you Bingo! know like, like that that doesn't matter to me. Like Cla- Claude Giroux has been through a revolving door of coaches in his time here, and he has been consistently good each and every season. So, where I think, like J- JVR, when he signed this contract, knew like he's going to be on the third line. He's mm-hmm. here for the power play, and like that's kind of it. Like you put up your numbers, you stand in front of the net, and like that's it. Like that is that is your role. He knew that coming in. Um, but I, I do think he does get a lot of unwarranted hate from Flyers He doesn't fans. get enough hate is what the problem is. <laughs> <laughs> it's not always that simple to say that a good player just needs to be a good player all the time. Um, in my eyes, I've 
I, I've got a degree in education and that translates well to coaching, um, especially as a phys ed major. Um, you need to, in order to reach, and I'm going to use the word student here because of education, in order to reach each student, they could be the best student in the world. If you're not hitting their learning style, you're not reaching them at a level where they're going to retain the information. And yes, JVR at a very basic level is a good player. He's in the NHL. That's the makings of a good hockey player. You're not always going to reach him at a level where he's going to perform because that's just the way that he's wired. Then don't sign him to an elite level contract if he's going to perform like a mid-tier dude. And, and, and he, started the, he started the season strong. I'm not going to argue JVR started the season kind of strong this year, as much as it pains me in my soul to say that. <laughs> it's about can he keep that up for the next 50 games? And I highly doubt that. Right. That's the part right. that drives me nuts, and that's what comes back to us. If he was making $3.5 million, $4 million a year as a third liner to chip in 20 goals in the power play, more power to you. Great. But when you're getting paid elite-level things and you only show up a couple games a month, that drives me crazy! Yeah, and like I said, consistency is important, and it's going to be something to watch moving forward, how consistent he is. But right now, I think it's a good thing for us as fans to just be okay with the fact that he is doing well and celebrate that to a certain extent. Yes, the future is worrying, but why worry about that when we can also just be happy? No. Yeah, no, I, I, I kind of agree with you on like the, the scheme things. Like, yes, some coaches are going to bring out more potential in players. Is it a coincidence that we've seen Sean Couturier have the best years of his career under Elaine Vigneault as opposed to Dave Hackstall? I don't know. Who's to say? Um, but again, kind of like I had mentioned with Zeru, we obviously know Dave Hackstall was a piss poor coach. And yet, you know we saw Claude Giroux put up an MVP caliber season, which I'm still bitter about, by the way. Um, it, it is a crime that he not only finished fourth, but didn't win. Oh, I will forever be mad about that. Um, but yes, I think certain coaching styles do help get more out of players, but it's not like a night and day difference. I don't think if that makes sense. It can be, but I, I see what you're saying. In my eyes, it can be. And I've coached I've coached youth softball, youth softball before. And on a coaching staff where we had six coaches, certain players only gravitated towards one or two of the coaches rather than other coaches on the team as well. You know where it might be my night and day? Patrick Laine and Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> that should be uh, interesting. I, I cannot wait to see how that's going to play out. Um, alrighty. Is there anything else we, we should touch on? No, just next I week's games. Just next week's game. Uh, so like we mentioned earlier, the Flyers play, uh, tonight in Boston and they also play, I believe, uh, Tuesday and Thursday at New Jersey. Um, and all three of those games are at seven. Um, is I is Carter Hart getting the nod tonight in net? I believe so. Yeah, I haven't seen any different. Nice, nice. Alrighty. Well, those are the games oh. this week. Oh, go ahead, yeah. Caitlin. One last thing. We have about 40 minutes now till puck drop in um 
in the NWHL yep. season. So be sure to tune in for that as well. You can head to Twitch to watch those games. I'm really looking forward to that. You have your jerseys purred yet? I got my Boston Pride on right now. Not the I cannot root for any Boston sports team. I don't care how good they are. I don't own any professional hockey jerseys yet. They just put them all up uh, on my gray the other day. If anybody wants the uh, Isabel Cup worn jerseys, are on my gray. I pre-ordered all my Toronto Six jerseys, one of each. So, nice. They are very cool. I saw the original concept art for the jerseys way back in the day when they first released them. I never followed up on it. I never saw the actual jerseys. And when I got the email from my gray that they were all up, I Googled them. I'm like, oh, my God, they're gorgeous. I need them. So, yeah, no, they look good. They look really I don't, good. What is the meaning behind the Six? They're the is sixth that just team. a nickname for Toronto? The sixth team in the NWHL. Okay. Um, I was debating starting to follow the Connecticut Whale just because the whale, um, but also the <laughs> that that blue green color scheme is just mwah, ah, so good. Yeah, great. Like, you, like, you can't go wrong. Uh, I've been to a whale game and it's fantastic. My my friend is a fan of the Riveters though, so she's trying to convince me. So we'll the see. The Riveters are more more tri-state area, so. Eh, tri-state area doesn't matter. I mean, it's not like I'm going to a game anytime soon. So, like, <laughs> no, that's fair. <laughs> Plus, if I can watch them for free on Twitch, who's playing today? By the way, the Riveters and Six open it up at one. The Pride and Whitecaps open up at four, and then the Whale and Buttes at seven. Ooh, spicy! Very excited. <clears throat> yeah. So, alrighty, we'll go watch those if join... you don't have any plans today. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway. Right. You guys got any more <laughs> parting words before we uh, we sign off for the day? I still don't like JVR. <laughs> it's fine, Dan. I, I, I have a feeling I this it. is I have a feeling this is gonna be a recurring conversation this this season. Probably. <laughs> Dan arguing that JVR sucks, Caitlin saying that he doesn't suck that much. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> I, I I think I'd still be okay if we somehow bundled him and Ghost up to send to Seattle. I think that would just be fine. Why would we have well, to bundle them? They can just take him for free. Oh, they wouldn't well, do that. They're not that, that stupid. That's what I mean. I mean, that's what I mean. Bundle give them, them together. First ra- give them a first round pick to give them whatever they want they to take them both. Are. I don't care. <laughs> take them both. Yeah. Oh, oh boy. That's <laughs> I, I completely forgot about the expansion draft that was happening this year. That's going to be an interesting conversation as we get down to the end of the season, because yeah. I'm sure we're going to see a lot of uh, mock drafts and stuff arguing who the Flyers are going to take. I unfortunately Ready for me to cry. I, yeah, I was going to say I'm going to cry. I'm, I'm unfortunately bracing for the fact that they're probably going to lose Scott Lawton or Nicholas Obey Kubel. Oh. And it makes me very sad. That actually hurt. Right? Murder man? Oh, no. Attack. Not murder face. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It'd be coming. Brace yourselves. <laughs> unless, unless Chuck makes a trade, who's to say? But let's just hope it doesn't end up like it did for the Panthers. Here, we'll give you a first round pick for you to take our best player. <laughs> 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 I will never get over that. That's so funny to me. Yeah. Hockey, man. <laughs> that's just uh, that's just the way it be sometimes, you know? Yeah. All righty, gang. Thank you all for listening today. We'll catch you on the flippity flip next week. 
Go yeah, Flyers. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, this has been, what, our fourth episode of Sisterly Pod? I think so. Gotta love it, man. Yep. Thank you guys for listening. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>